0: Kia Koto, good morning. Are you well? Great, that is a good thing. Hey, I imagine in your house, just at some point in your life, you've had things that don't work. Anyone's got an appliance that doesn't work or a window that's been broken, Sarah's nodding at me, we've got a bathroom fan and light unit that really doesn't work at all. In fact, a few months ago, and I'll say it's a few months ago, it may have been a little longer than that, our fan stopped working in our bathroom. And that was fine. It just got put on the list of things to fix, uh, to fix because there was still, the heat lamp still worked and the light bulb still worked. But then a few months later, the, the bulb stopped working. And then the light stopped working. And so we put a lamp <laughs> in our bathroom. It all got put on the list of things to fix. But then we decided that really we probably should get it fixed because it was quite annoying. It is quite annoying to just use a a light, a a little lamp, when really we should have a ceiling unit fan that extracts and everything else. So we recruited some friends of ours with practical skills, because if you know me, I'm not one of those people, for their advice and for their help. And what I thought they would say is simply just let's buy a new one and we'll swap one in and take one out and finished became a little bit more complicated than that. Because where the unit was, there was a a cross beam that then had to be moved for new regulations and new everything else. So then we had to chop a hole in our ceiling to remove the other one, move a beam, then we've had to re-plaster over everything, which we're in the middle of doing now and sanding back. And then I've got to get my friend back in to then chop another hole in the ceiling so we can put the new one in there. What I thought would be just such a simple fix turned into be a lot longer, but I've done it with some really good support from our friends. We could have done it quickly and probably employed someone else to come and solve the issue, but with the help of our friends and taking a bit longer, we're working on doing it ourselves. Or perhaps you have not had a broken bathroom fan unit, but I'm sure there are other things around your house that aren't working perhaps quite the way they're supposed to. Or maybe you are someone who gets them fixed straight away. But we all come across things that are broken and not fulfilling the purpose for which they were designed or purchased for. It could be small things. You know, like when you're carrying the groceries one time and they knock the door and all of a sudden you've got a paint chip missing from your front door or from your kitchen door or from anyth- anywhere else. Or a small dent in the back of your car where you're reversing out of the car park and you didn't see that bollard that just appeared in front of you or behind you. And then there are times that are bigger things that we know and are obvious that need attention a light bulb blows or during a pillow fight a vase gets smashed or perhaps you live on the back of a golf course and a golf ball comes flying through your window (laughs) and smashes everywhere because people aren't good at golf (laughs) don't ask me about it it's personal (laughs) i've got the smashed window but i'm also not good at golf (laughs) but i'm not connected Either way, big or small, the, po- the spot of paint that's missing on the door or the broken window or the broken fan unit in the bathroom, you notice them, don't you? Other people might not notice them, but you know that something's not right. In fact, someone could come to your house and you might have a scratch on your door, and they could come and be welcomed at the gate, come in the door, come and sit down, have a nice cup of tea or coffee, leave again through that same door, and they'd never notice that the chipped paint is missing. But you know that it's there. It's so obvious to you. In fact, sometimes you'd even stand in front of the door. Don't notice. Don't notice. You've got such a lovely home. You're so welcoming. You make such a great cup of tea. Couldn't believe you had a chipped paint door. But we don't like others to notice those things in our homes that aren't quite right. How often do we not like people to notice the brokenness and pain in the areas in our lives that we could also be doing so much better? What would they think of you? Don't let them see that scratch that you've not cleaned up just yet. And then there are some other things. A smashed window or a dent in the car door where someone bumped into it. Others notice that those need fixing they notice the dent in your car door where someone crashed into you. Yes, they can see that you're driving. Yes, they can see that you're you're doing the thing that the car is intended to do, which is going forward, going places. But when they notice the giant dent in the door, I don't think it instills in them a great sense of confidence in your driving. I don't think when they see the big smashed-in door that they go, oh, I hope they drive close to me. They seem to be really good at that. I think they may look not at you, but what's on around your life and choose to perhaps keep a small distance between your car and theirs. They'd look and perhaps keep their distance not because of you, but because of the stuff that they can see on or around or in our lives. The stuff on the car, the brokenness that does not point to someone who's working on being a better driver. Our brokenness, the areas of, of uh, the areas in our lives that people notice, and the ones that don't, that people don't notice, are both areas that we are continuing and should be dealing with and working on. Being pre- prepared to put the effort in, invest in, and to put right, to be made right, so that when others look at us, they don't just see our intentions, don't just see what we say, but they see the righteousness of Christ in us. They can see the restorative work of the Holy Spirit through what Jesus has done on the cross for us. Your faith in Christ has saved you. And now it's the work of the Holy Spirit to refine us, to sanctify us, to make us holy like we've just sung about, to be made more like Christ, So that others will see the transforming work in us, the things that have already occurred on the inside, and raise in them perhaps a desire, a question of how and why you live with such purpose that you do. Investing in your car door to be fixed, or investing in the areas of your life that are broken, where things are not helpful or most acceptable in the work that is being made holy, demonstrates to others the importance, the work of restoration and redemption that's already happened in your soul. Investment in counseling. Investment in good friends. Investment in the word of God, time spent with him in prayer and in reading his word. All great investments we could make in the process of our lives becoming more like Christ. We all live with brokenness. We all have actions, behaviors, ways of thinking that we do that aren't always the most helpful for us in becoming more like Christ. We're in this series called Broken for Purpose. We all have areas of brokenness that aren't helping us to live out God's purpose, but allowing Holy Spirit to work through them. That through the, res- the restoration, through the redemption of those areas, that the purposes of Christ would be worked out, that we would have great compassion for others, we would have great empathy. We'd be able to point people to the work of the Holy Spirit already in us. Now, all of that to say that you could stay exactly the way you are. You don't have to change. Because the Word, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's found in Romans nine, Romans ten, sorry, chapter uh, verses nine and ten. It says, if you declare with your mouth. Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Full stop. That is the work of salvation. That's what Jesus has afforded us, that right relationship with him, that right relationship with God. In fact, Hebrews ten goes on to explain it a little more and tells us as followers of Christ, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once and for all. That is what it is to be saved. So you could stay exactly as you are. So now God sees in us the holiness of Christ, the righteousness of what Christ did for us. And here in our lives now, in the world that we live we will have struggles we will have trials jesus says in john 16:33 he says i have told you these things so that in me you may have peace because in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world so we work now knowing that we're already made right with christ we keep him central in our lives in all areas of our lives because he has already made us right with God. So now we start the mission of helping others find salvation and hope and freedom in Christ. And what would be helpful to others? What will make make us look more like Christ? So that others would see the transforming work of what's been done and desire to know and follow Jesus more themselves. We love others. We serve others. After Jesus had finished telling the story of the Good Samaritan, you can read about that in Luke 10 if you haven't. And he says to those who are gathered, now go and do likewise. Treat others well. Those who are hurting. Those who are broken. Those whom whom others might disregard and walk past and cut off or say that aren't worthy of time. Stop. And make time. Serve them. Knowing that we all have brokenness. We all have behaviors and th- thinking and actions that we do. But God stepped down from the holy place of heaven. He stepped down into our broken and fallen world. To make a way for you and I to be made Christ. To be sanctified by Christ. To be made holy And so we should also, in the same way that Jesus served us, we should also serve others. And having walked through our stuff, this continual journey of life, continuing to work on the brokenness in our lives, working on cleaning and mending our nets, having spent time attending to the areas of brokenness and sin, the areas that are not showing the world the restorative power of the gospel, Through those areas, we can serve and have great compassion. The pits in life, the sin areas that we sometimes find ourselves in can position us for God's purpose. You may walk through a pit, have lived in a place that was not the place that you should have been, but in the midst of it, God was repositioning you for his plans and his purposes. And perhaps you would come across others, like the the good Samaritan who came across someone who was Broken. Having walked through it yourself, having great compassion, you'd serve. You would love, you would show the compassion of Christ. Perhaps in the middle of the pit, in the middle of brokenness, it's in breaking our pride, in breaking the arrogance that sometimes some of us carry, and humbling us that even those who are great among us are to serve the least. Keeping our full focused on Christ and the outworking of building his church that others would know freedom. You know, there are times in our lives when things, areas of sin or brokenness that we've just learned to live with. We've put up with them for so long now we've become complacent to them. They just, they're just there. We've become a little numb to them. Perhaps like a chip of paint on the door, you just get used to it and one day forget that it's there. We put on a false sense of, "Wow, well, everything's perfect. It happened so long ago, that brokenness, that we've just come to ignore it or even forget that it's there and could be made right. And help others to see my life and see Christ working in it. In the Old Testament, throughout Second Kings, we find the story of Nehemiah. A man who saw the brokenness of his homeland, of his home city, Jerusalem. And he saw the destruction of what had happened there. The place where his ancestors were buried. And he notices the the fallen walls of the city, those that have completely fallen, some that have partially fallen. He notices the burned gates that have become useless for their purposes. And it's brought on him great sadness. Great sadness overwhelms his life because of the brokenness that he's seen in his home city. In fact, so much is he sad that his, the people, his colleagues that he works with at the palace begin to notice. His boss notices that he's got so much weighing on him that his boss says to him, hey, Nehemiah, what is going on? And he says, I've noticed, I've noticed my hometown, Jerusalem, it's been destroyed. But it's okay because I know the Lord and so it'll just be fine and we'll just leave it. No, that's not what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah says, I've noticed the destruction of the walls. I've got to do something about it. Please send me. Send me with a royal decree, with resources, with people, so we can rebuild, repair the city of Jerusalem. So that one day it will be a great city again. Something that others can look at and notice. Wow, look at that city. A city on a hill. He didn't just hear and notice the broken walls and the crumbling gates. Didn't just notice the chipped paint and the broken windows. Go, oh, well... I've got a good job in the palace. I work for the king. Didn't just go, oh, well, it's okay. I know the Lord. That'll be all right. He had a desperation in him to restore, rebuild, to build again the great city of Jerusalem. Do we notice the areas in our lives that, and think, oh, we can just live with those. Think, oh, well, we're we're already saved. I'll just let it lie. Or is there a desperation in us to see what once was great, what could be great again, to restore, to rebuild, to build again, to be sanctified and be made more like Christ, a desperation in us, that others would see this great hunger to see something rebuilt? Is there a fire in our spirits that says, I'm unsatisfied living with broken thinking, living with broken relationships. There's a holy unsatisfaction of our lives and the way that we're living, uh, uh, living and behaving. Holy Spirit, is there a desperation in us that says, Holy Spirit, make me more like Christ. Let others see Jesus in me, refine in me, strip away, break off those things that are distracting others from seeing Christ's redemptive work in me. Refine me, burn away, chip away the stuff that I've added on, the thoughts that don't bring you glory. Let the refining work of the Holy Spirit make me more like Jesus. I'm unsatisfied with this brokenness. I'm not willing to let this hurt others or distract others from seeing Christ. I'm desperate for the refining work of God in my life. God, use my pain, use my uh, brokenness, use the pit to position me, to refine me, that I might make Christ known. In life groups, if you're not part of a life group, I so encourage you to join one. A great chance to gather with other believers, to have vulnerable conversations where we can talk about what it means to be broken for the purposes of Christ. Not bleeding over everyone, you wouldn't believe what's wrong with me. We could spend weeks just talking about what's wrong with me but that we can encourage one another, build one another up, pray for one another. Talk about areas that we do need help, that we do need the restoration of Christ in our lives so that others would see his work. Do you see a mentor? Have a trusted believer that encourages you and challenges you and holds you accountable and pointing you to be more like Jesus. Not allowing you to simply dwell in pits of pain or brokenness, but continually walking in obedience and faith in Jesus. Nehemiah, we see, didn't see the destruction of the walls around him and go, well, I'll do all that on my own. Look at me, I'm awesome. He gathered a whole lot of resources, a whole lot of people to come and help him. The same way I needed someone to help me with my bathroom fan. There's no way I could do that on my own. You gather people around you, and taking the destruction and pain and building again into something of significance. He didn't do it on his own. He sought counsel, builders, laborers, practical people to see the restoration of what once was broken. Friends, good friends, other believers, life groups, spending time in the word, going to a counselor practical things that you and I can do to see the restoration of our lives to point people to Jesus being already made right by what Christ did for us. God can take what was meant for destruction and turn it to something of significance in his kingdom. And as it was being built and then finally finished, it signaled to others, this is the city of Jerusalem, we are a city of on a hill, one that cannot be hidden. One that is not easily overcome, it has been re-fortified. We are a chosen, we are chosen by God and we will stand in confidence in him. The walls of Jerusalem were a protection, but they were an also an important physical symbol to the establishment of the Jews as a people. The holy city became a unifying force. We each come to Jesus with our fallen nature. With things that have separated us from Christ, but by the work of Jesus on the cross. And we're all part of the church as people who are desperate to love and serve and give glory and honor to Jesus. But it is the work of Christ on the cross that unifies us. A gathering of people hungry for the will of God, the purposes of God to be outworked in us. Can I invite the band to come and join me again? See, it's one thing to identify the brokenness in our lives, to feel it, to carry it like Nehemiah did. He noticed the brokenness that was the city. And please hear me, we do carry it, we do feel it, because sometimes life is hard. We've talked about this the last few weeks. Sometimes we can't understand the brokenness that we face sometimes, the pits that we feel we are in. But we don't just leave it there. We make it personal. And it can sometimes seem like an overwhelming task. But we gather the right people around us. Like my bathroom fan unit that I told you about. I thought it was going to be a quick fix. Thought I'd simply get a new unit. Finished. But it was not that simple. In fact, it was more than just a light bulb. Every time we took out a light bulb or took out the unit, there was another, felt like, three steps. It's been way more painful than I ever thought it was going to be. But in the end, we will end up with a better, more efficient unit that does its job, its purpose, better. But we've got to be prepared to put the effort in ourselves. Invest the time for you personally. Invest the time in you. Someone else can't do the work inside you for you. You have to be prepared by the power of the Holy Spirit walking with him to allow him in and allow him to speak to what he would like to restore in you. The process is deeper, longer, and sometimes more painful. But in the end, it's more for the outworking of his plans and purposes. Nehemiah had to confront the place where he came from, the place of his ancestors, where his ancestors had lived and were now buried. He had to go back to some family roots, some things that had not necessarily been done to or against him personally, but to his family. Sometimes in our lives, we need to be willing to go back a generation or two and confront some of the brokenness or sin areas of a family line to be fully set free for the purposes of God. You know, sometimes it's really hard to identify it ourselves. So often we can so quickly pick up on areas and go, wow, I I could live better there. I could make Christ more known in this area of my life. I could speak better of that person. I could think better about that. I could be more generous in this area. But sometimes it's hard to notice the small things. And sometimes it's hard to notice the big things. But that's where the work of the Holy Spirit comes in. Allowing Him access. Don't try and take it on all at once, but allow Holy Spirit to reveal to you, what areas would you have me work on? What practical steps can I do to get help so that others will see Christ in me? Would you be prepared to deal with the stuff in your life? Areas of thinking, behaviours, things that we do, things that are not the most helpful, ways of thinking and behaviours that aren't encouraging you to run to the arms of Jesus, that aren't encouraging others to find faith in Christ, big stuff, small stuff, things others might not even notice the things that are sometimes only in your head the things that are only in your thoughts bring them to the light find someone to help you bring them before God and ask him to refine them to make you more like Christ we're about to sing a song again called not again we're about to sing a song called same God the same God who we read about in the Bible who so many characters who've had incredible stories and go wow I wish I had that God well you do you look at the New Testament wow look at all the miracles and works and things that Jesus did that same power that lived in Christ raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you that same God that did the refining work over many years and has continued to help others refine and restore and rebuild the lives that we that we live, that separated us from Christ, but was made right through what he did on the cross. That same power is now with us today. And so in areas that can seem overwhelming, we're gonna sing and say, same God, we're calling on you. Would you come and do that work in me? You have access to, to my life. Have access to my heart. God, you have access to my family. You have access to my workplace. You have access to my finances. You have access to my time. You have access to my generosity. You have access to all of it. Praying a prayer like be gentle God is okay, but he is a kind, generous, gracious and compassionate God. So as we sing, would you allow the refining work of the Holy Spirit, that which He has already begun in you, already made right, fully sanctified before God. Would you allow that work to be done in you that others might see Christ in you?